Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchik and you are listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In today's episode, we're in conversation with three amazing guests. We chat to Gail Schimmel, the CEO of the Advertising Regulatory Board, Talia Goldberg, who's a freelance creative director and social media strategist, and to Lani Hadebe, aka Tools, a public relations and marketing agency owner, as well as an influencer on Instagram. We have a healthy debate about the topic that's often controversial. We talk about the rules behind influencers disclosing brand partnerships when they're on campaigns. We agree, we disagree, and we had a good couple of laughs in between. So grab a coffee and listen as we discuss why these rules came into being and really are they necessary? The confusion of the different hashtag that needs to be used and how the ARB is relooking these and what it means for brands and influencers if they don't disclose these brand partnerships. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influences. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for making time to be here today. And today we've got like a really exciting episode lined up. We're going to have a really nice conversation and hopefully quite a nice debate about the topic of disclosing brand partnerships and influence marketing and influencer campaigns. And I've got some really cool guests with me today. I've got Gail Schimmel, I've got Tulani Hadebe, and I've got Talia Goldberg with me. And I'm going to just ask each and every one of them to just give us a quick description of who they are, and what they do, and what they bring to the party today. So Gail, if we can start with you, perhaps. Okay, well, I'm the CEO of the Advertising Regulatory Board, which is the self-regulatory body that deals with advertising content. And we have an appendix to our code that deals with influencer marketing. So hopefully what I'm bringing to the party is what the rules actually are. There we go. Give us some structure today. Amazing. Tulani? Thank you so much for having me, Anne. Well, I am better known as Tools because when people stop me in the street, they always say to me, hey, aren't you? And I say, yes, it's me, Tools. So you'll see all my social media (laughs) handles. It's yes, it's me, Tools. And basically, I come from brand perspective where I have my own PR and marketing company called Brand Ambassadors and we work with luxury brands all across the board. But also what I've transitioned to is the other side into being an influencer. So Gail would be the person to tell me, no, on your post, you have to use hashtag ad. Absolutely. And then last but certainly not least, Talia. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So I kind of come from the background that I started working on the blogging side while I was also working for brands. I had my own company, a little startup called Nifty 250. I've been a creative director for a coffee company. And for about the last two years, I've kind of been freelancing and helping brands understand um, social media and how best to use it and just cool creative direction for their campaigns that only kind of live on social and how to really use influencer marketing to the best effect. 
Amazing. So as you can see, we've got some really cool industry experts who's going to help us delve into this world of what does it actually mean to disclose? Why are we doing it? And, and is it actually really necessary? So I think let's start very much at the beginning. And again, I'm going to ask, maybe let's start with Talia. Why do you think it is important or is it important that influencers make it quite clear that they are doing brand partnerships? I think this is important. And I think Gail will probably touch on this a lot more just in terms of the actual laws around this and that it is something that is needed to be disclosed. I think that it becomes difficult because every country has different rules about disclosure on social media and whether something has actually been a paid for post or whether something was just gifted. And when generally if something is just gifted, um, there's not necessarily the, a brief where you actually have to post about the item, but if you like it or do you like the experience, you might post about it. So it's a very complicated um, situation and also what I found in South Africa is we don't necessarily have the industry where enough people are able to be influencers or Instagrammers or whatever you want to kind of call the term where that they earn enough money that they can do this as a full-time career so I wouldn't say that necessarily everyone who posts this is not their full-time nine-to-five job where they are keeping up with the rules as opposed to someone who works on the brand side where this is something that is part of their full-time job. For sure. And I think that you're making some really good points there. Jules, what do you think? Well, I completely wholeheartedly uh, agree with Talia. Um, in terms of being an influencer myself, I know that I have been told by brands when I've worked with paid partnerships to use hashtag ad or hashtag gifted. I do feel like it is important that influencers do disclose whether things are paid for or posts are gifted. Only because the consumer and the audience uh, needs to know when, when that happens. Perfect. And then Gail, from your side, from the ARB side, what do you guys think? So we, we come from exactly what Tools has just said. It's exactly our position, that the consumer has a right to know when an influencer has been given something, when they've been paid to say something, as opposed to when they are just spontaneously supporting something. Because the way you receive that information as an influencer is very different. Um, I mean, as a consumer, it's very different. Um, if you know someone's been paid or it's, if you think they've just said it out of spontaneous love for the product. I, I would have to say, though, that I disagree that every country has different rules. We've worked quite hard internationally to try and make a, um, a level playing field and certainly the South African rules were made with our eye very much on the international rules and this idea that you have to have hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, I'm not mad about hashtag gifted I have to say um, hashtag <laughs> gifted might, might sound like you're talking about your own unique um, abilities that you are hashtag gifted <laughs> so um, so that, that rule about hashtag ad is pretty much um, across the board in most countries. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to clarify out of what's already been said is that in South Africa, we don't differentiate between whether you've been paid and whether you have been given a gift. If you have been given anything in return for making the post, you are considered, it is considered paid for advertising and it needs to have the hashtags, but it also 
needs to keep all the other rules of advertising. But it comes down to the brand. And I was so happy to hear Tools say that in most of his interactions, the brands insist on it because that is where the responsibility lies. If the influencer is successful, you're going to be buying the brand. You're not going to be buying the influencer. You're going to be buying the brand. So if the influencer is doing something wrong, the brand must take responsibility for that. So I'm very pleased to hear that brands are insisting on it because that's what should be happening. Okay, so that clarifies quite a few things for me. Number one, that even if you receive a gift in exchange for for exposure or exchange for co coverage on social media, it doesn't matter. It still needs to be hashtag ads or sponsored. Gifted is not really something that we should be looking into. We should still be saying hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, even if we're not being paid. You know, one of the best ways to deal with it is to actually do a clear post. So to say, um, I was given a gift of this lovely perfume and I used it and, oh my God, it's amazing. Because then the consumer knows exactly what happened. And then you can use the hashtag sponsored, but because of the content of your post, it's absolutely clear what the relationship is. And I, I really believe that as we go forward in this field, consumers will trust the influencers who play open cards with them. And consumers will stop trusting the influencers that they see are hiding the information of what they were given, where they were given it, what the arrangement was. Yeah, I completely agree with what Gail was saying in terms of, you know, once you play open cards with your audience, your audience will, will know exactly. The consumer is not stupid at the end of the day. Once you are clear about what has been happening and, oh, I got given this or this is a sponsored post. I mean, you don't cl clearly have to say that in your speech, but, you know, in the copy, you can definitely say this was a sponsored post, you know, that there was monetary value towards it. I know that in the past, you know, I have said things that have been delivered to me and then I've said mm, this was delivered to me, but I'm not happy with it because I mean, I might be going off on a tangent right now. It's because I don't want my audience to say, I'm endorsing this product and I like this product. So therefore, you must also go and buy it. Oh, for sure. And I think also when they say that that gray area of places or a company or brand has given you things without actually asking if you want it or if you aligned with it, there is no responsibility or obligation on you to even speak about it, right? Absolutely. No. And I make it very clear to brands is that I will work with brands that, that I believe in, that I consume, and that is authentic to me. Fair enough, it's a, it's a new brand and they're trying to check things out with me, but it needs to work with who I am as an influencer brand person. That's the most important thing for me. Oh, for sure. I feel like if things aren't aligned, if you don't have the same values, if it's not something that you can see yourself using, then there's no point to it. And I also think the onus rests on the agencies or the brand who's organizing this to actually get in contact with you and say, would you be interested in this? This is what our brand stands for, instead of just sending things out. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Gail, let's take two steps back. When did these regulations for South Africa actually come into play? Okay, so first of all, the word regulations is a little bit misleading. It's a self-regulatory code. So there's no law 
it's a it's a self-regulatory code of ethics. Um, they came in. It was it was a joint project between the ARB and the IAB, and I think we passed it at the beginning of 2019. Okay, perfect. So. It's been around for quite a while and some people are still having issues with actually following mm. it, which we'll get to. But my question then is, if you're saying it's self-regulatory, who has to enforce these rules? Um, rules, code, um, this code. Um, so, so the way we work is we work through membership um, and we have various industry bodies that are members and we also have the broadcasters who are bound by the Electronic Communications Act to follow our rules. But obviously that has no bearing on influence and social media advertising. Um, so this, this comes through brands who are members and also brands who are not our members but nonetheless subscribe to an ethical model for advertising advertising. So most of the big advertisers that you come across will listen to our decisions and will apply our rules. Um, but if you have someone who doesn't want to listen, then the reality is we are self-regulatory. We can't do anything about it. We can't find them. We can't put them in jail. We can't force them to do anything if they're not a member. Um, so, so there is a space where we are not able to reach. I do find, though, when it comes to an issue of influencer marketing, the fallout for the influencer is quite bad. We haven't had a lot of decisions, but the one that we did have, the, the fallout for the influencer wasn't great. And so it's something influencers should also just be keeping in mind that if there is an ARB decision which is published where you are named as the media that didn't mm. comply with the rules because the influencer is essentially the media when it comes to an ARB decision, it's not going to look good for you. Um, it's going to it's going to influence your ability to influence. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But but self regulation is a limited a limited type of regulation. And the more members we get, obviously, the the tighter it becomes. What you're saying is, if I'm not a member of the ARB or IAB, then I'm kind of exempt from following these rules. You're exempt, but you've got to deal with the fallout. Okay. The way I understand it, it's like the same as if you're seeing an ad and it's offensive, you kind of go through the whole process of reporting this influencer and the brand and this is my issue and then there'll be a ruling, right? And that's what that's you're speaking it. about. So is that then up to the public, I'm assuming, if they have if they take offense to something or they, they realize, oh, this person consistently doesn't actually use hashtags, now I need to report it. If that is the case, do we have enough education out there to say, guys, public, this is what's happening. This is what we need to look out for. Absolutely. We rely on complaints from the public. We do not have the resources to monitor because if you monitor, you have to do it really fairly. Um, and it can't just be that somebody uh, happened to follow tools and therefore I see all his posts and therefore if he misses it once, I'll pick it up. That's not fair to him. Um, you have to have a fair monitoring system and that's why we don't monitor. So we rely on complaints from the public. We did do when these rules were launched, we did do a lot of education around it and we had a little spate of complaints. But it's not something we seem to receive a lot of complaints about. And it's not because it's not a problem. It definitely is a problem. And one of the things that's worrying me is I am picking up that some influencers who were quite like threw their weight behind the new rules and really did believe in it are not using those hashtags like they should be anymore. And that's worrying for me. But we can't act without a complaint. 
I wanted to ask Talia if if she has been in the situation where I mean, if you Talia, you'll say if if you've had a problem with products and saying hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored ads, um, what's your experience been like? I've never had a problem doing it because I, for me, it's something that is kind of a side thing that I do and I don't do it that regularly. And they're not a lot of brands that I feel like I want to put my name and work with. So when I do decide to work with a brand, I'm very happy to very clearly say that it's, I'm, it's a partnership, it's sponsored, it's gifted um, because it has been and I've chosen the relationship and I don't do it often. I think that for people who are posting every day, it does start to feel like a paid for advertising. Their whole feed is like that. And I feel like people don't relate to it as much. And I definitely obviously have found on the posts that I have either tagged as brand partnership or I put the sponsored or ad and you definitely a thousand percent the algorithm doesn't show you as much on instagram which for the brand who's now paying for the content is getting less eyeballs so that's why i think some brands especially smaller brands where cut like obviously cost them a lot of money in terms of their tiny budget to give you to pay you for the post and to send you product and then they're having the least amount of eyeballs possible is like quite upsetting for them um, when they're used to you getting um, more views and more comments. Um, But for me, it hasn't been a problem. I think for other people, I mean, I would say, I would say the vast majority of people who post in South Africa do not use the correct terms. (laughs) I don't know if you feel the same. Um, Well, yeah, I think I know that some UK influencers that I follow, they're very strict in terms of saying, following some sort of regulation. Yeah. And I think also in Dubai, there's also some sort of regulation. I find in Germany, I've never seen Mm. every single German, they start with the word. I didn't even know what the word meant, but I actually Google translated and literally translates as advertising. And they start (laughs) with, it's like adzig or something. And I was like, what is this word? I was like, are they all saying hello? (laughs) What is this word? I mean, all the German influencers, they literally start their posts with that word. And it's like, even in brackets, um, and they are so strict and they're the only country that I feel like every single post is tagged. Um, I feel like the Australian influencers, I've never seen a tag because <laughs> it, it seems like no one is enforcing it. So they're not feeling like they have to or they want to and they're not kind of getting into trouble for it. The problem comes in is that if influencer, you know, Janine is now promoting product X, what happens if that product now is flat tummy tea and now it's it's really destructive to people's health but she should be liable for now saying oh i've been using flat tummy tea and it works for me you know shouldn't she be liable I'm not sure about that. (laughs) I mean, it would be the same with kind of diet pills or any kind of extreme exercise or anything that's kind of extreme. I think that you would be liable. I mean, I've definitely seen some South African influencers who've posted and have done those like diet injections and stuff. And they've written blog posts about it. And for me, it's very concerning. But someone else, that's their business. And that's been their business decision that they've 
chosen to affiliate themselves and their brand with the diet injection. So I'm not I'm not sure whose responsibility that would be. I think it would be theirs. If yeah, I, I could agree. just jump in here, perhaps um, that in, in t- you know the word liable. At, uh, what does one really mean about that? But just remember that the influencer is making claims that they have been fed by the brand. I think there's a whole ethical question about what brands you choose to support and whether you should be supporting certain industries. But the influencer is fed those claims by the brand and the influencer often believes rightly or wrongly that those claims are true. And the question therefore becomes who needs to prove those claims and it's the brand that needs to prove those claims. If the influencer makes the claim, they must be true unless the influencer was not paid and is not acting as an influencer. But if it's advertising and it's advertising anytime any consideration has been given, then the claims must be provable and the brand will need to prove those claims. Yeah, I also just want to say I agree with both of you, Gail and Talia, just purely as an influencer, it's like it's a moral thing, right? Who do you align yourself with? And if you want to align yourself with diet pills, then that's on you. But it needs to be proved at the end of the day, and brands should, should be actually held accountable for that. But Tala, you brought up something very interesting about the German influencers who start off their post with ad. And we see that in the UK and I think the US as well. It's part of their regulations is you have to put it really upfront that this is a paid for partnership, it's sponsored, it's an ad. They have to put it in the front or they have to put it at least above the fold. So it's very, very clear for whoever sees that. And Gail, I don't think we've got that in South Africa. So like so much in South Africa, you know, most of those jurisdictions also are self-regulatory in nature. The difference is everyone listens. Um, <laughs> and like so much in South Africa, we, we have a harder time getting everyone to listen and we have a bigger problem with brands and influencers who feel that they don't have to comply with anything and that they don't have to subscribe to an ethical code. And it's an ongoing um, challenge for us as, as an advertising regulatory body compared to the challenges that our, our sister organizations in other countries have. We have this very unique challenge. I can tell you when I have conversations with my foreign counterparts and I, you know, we've, we've got certain sanctions in South Africa and they're a bit confused by our sanctions. They go, like, what do you mean the advertiser wouldn't listen to you? Why would you need a sanction for that? Um, because it's just so foreign to them that, that, that there would be non-compliance. And I think it's, we don't comply with the traffic laws and we don't comply with the advertising laws. It's a South African issue. Do you not think if we brought in like those huge fines that they have in the UK and the US, do you think that would kind of spur people to be a little bit more compliant with slapping fines? Well, if government was behind it and you could enforce the fines, then yes, I'm sure they would because then there would be a fear and there would probably be a big whole lot of fines imposed quickly as soon as the law was was passed in order to show their power, a bit like what we've seen with the Competition Commission exercising their muscles and showing that they have power. But do we want government intervening in this space? That's the question. Should influencers not be complying with the self-regulatory rules and avoiding being fined and avoiding government stepping into the advertising space? And that's what we're all about. We're saying, listen, let's agree the rules as an industry and then let's apply those rules and let's not have a situation where you're being fined. Because imagine you're an 
influencer and you've been sent a product that looks great and they send you a set of claims and they say these are the claims that are true these are the claims that have been proven and you use some of those claims and then it turns out those claims aren't true must you be fined is that fair but shouldn't it also be on the influencer to actually try that product and see if the claims are true before they actually say anything I, w- I would definitely agree that there's an ethical there's an ethical requirement to do that, but it might be a claim that's less um, obvious. So perhaps it's a claim that it's sugar free. The influencer doesn't have a little science lab at home to check whether or not it's sugar free. They believe it's sugar free, but maybe it's not really. Okay, so we can't find people. It's not really, I think there's millions probably posts going up every minute, every second. That's got hashtag ad. It's kind of impossible to police. So Talia, if you were in charge of looking at what fines or kind of recourse that we can impose on brands, on influencers, what do you think would actually work in a South African context? I mean, I think that you would have to look at the fines that would be imposed for radio or for television or for brands doing things that are unethical and then it would have to obviously be scaled down a lot I do think that I think that people talk about influencer marketing in South Africa as if it is this very professional industry and I think on the brand side the brands there are professional brands and I think that whenever I've worked with like very big retailers or their alcohol brands they are very very strict about the rules that have to be followed and if you see alcohol posts they generally have the 18 um, number on it and the retail the bigger retailers don't mind because they have a much bigger budget I think it's with the smaller brands where influencer marketing they realize that social media is so important for selling their brand and moving product but they find it very difficult to keep up to date with what it is and I think that also a lot of brands are not necessarily selling things on claims especially when it's fashion it's just something that looks good or it's a bag that's so it's it's your perspective of whether you like the bag or whether that bag is to your style or you enjoy the food at a restaurant um, whether you paid for it or it's been a sponsored meal but I do think that there has to be I think that if you had enough decisions come out against people like I think it was with the Ford case where there was a decision Mm -hmm. written about it and it was not good necessarily for that person's career I think if you saw more and more decisions like that I think more people would realize that they need to kind of stay in line and follow the rules and that if there were more rules and people took this more seriously as an industry maybe it would be a bigger industry so then Gail and Talia if you look at influence marketing in South Africa our biggest thing is that we always that we always saying um to to brands we say this to influencers when we consult with them it's like please do use the hashtags, please comply, because it's a reputational issue. Do you think that's enough? Like, are people actually worried about reputations? I mean, I see brands all the time, and not small brands, big brands. It's like, we want to run this campaign, but please don't add hashtags, sponsored, advert. We want this to look as organic as possible. I just don't feel like a reputation 
issues an issue to them yeah i don't think it's an issue just because i've literally seen for me the craziest thing is when you look at global brands who are working in different markets i mean i like i don't want to name and shame anyone but there's there's an um an influencer in australia her name is tash oakley she's two and a half million followers on instagram and she has her own swimwear brand she works every single month with christian dior and louis vuitton and they give her bags and they're obviously paying her for the content and she has never ever ever tagged gifted or sponsored or advertising and these are the biggest luxury brands that exist yet if christian dior or louis vuitton worked with a german influencer it would say that it was an ad. So I find it very funny that even on these huge global brands um, who have would have insane laws in place and would have PR teams and marketing teams and they would be very specific with the campaigns that they're launching. If even they are not self-regulating again, like across Instagram and with the social media influencers that they work with, I don't think that there is a lot of hope that all these brands are suddenly going to like fall in line, um, especially when the main thing that I think a lot of brands are looking for is organic reach, um, which you're unfortunately just not getting yeah. with the hashtag. You know, well, yeah, I, I think I think that the reality is the reason that we want the posts to be hashtagged ad and hashtagged um, sponsored is because it affects the way the consumer receives them and perceives them. And for the brands, it is an it is often seen as a negative yeah. because if the consumer realizes that you were paid for the post, then the consumer attaches less value to it. But that's exactly the point yeah. that that the consumer should not be lied to. Um, so it's it's a, it's a worrying trend where where you hear of um, brands saying don't use the hashtag ad and don't use the hashtag sponsored and um, because because they are deliberately setting out to mislead consumers and that and that is worrying on every level i do i have to agree with talia that that if we got more complaints and were, were therefore able to issue more decisions then people would become more aware and they would listen and i think Perhaps in the countries where we see higher compliance, other than just generally having an attitude of compliance, perhaps there are more complaints. Um, citizens are also more concerned about it. Citizens are more likely to complain, and therefore there's likely to be a consequence. Um, I also think we should be looking at, and I know in various various organizations are the idea of an accredited influencer influencer the idea that they're in that you can have a group of influencers who undertake to follow the ethical rules and whether it's the ethical rules about hashtag ads etc um and then and then brands could choose to be associated with accredited influencers it wouldn't be, I'm not saying you shouldn't be allowed to be an influencer without a license. I, I don't believe in that type of regulation. But but the idea of some sort that a consumer can go, oh, Tools is an accredited influencer. I know he's going to keep the rules. And therefore, I trust him. For sure. Tools, I see your hands been up. Go for it. <laughs> Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. <laughs> well, you know, in terms of... Um, so I'm, I'm going to come from a brand side. So when I've been working with brands from a PR perspective, the most... And I'm going to echo what Talia was saying in terms of, you know, it's so much better for the consumer to understand that 
um, an influencer is using a product organically, you know, um, and I will admit that we would always try to um, position our products, especially luxury brands, in an organic sort of way so that it does not um, seem like an, a paid-for post. But, I mean, that's wrong. You, it ne- but we would never, ever say, do not use the words hashtag ad and hashtag sponsored post. I mean, that was, that was always, always uh, important uh, when, I, when I was working with brands. But I know, for, for instance, in South Africa, a lot of influencers love using the hashtag paid for post or paid partnership because it's almost bragging rights to say, oh, I'm working with this brand or I'm working with this brand. And it's saying that, yes, I'm getting paid. Yes, I have authority. And that's some sort of a, in inverted commas, um, accredited um, influencer. I do love this idea of being some sort of accredited um, digital creator because that means that you're, you have an authority in cer- certain things or it means that, you know, your word will be taken seriously and you're not just taking anything uh, willy-nilly, you know, uh, whether it's whatever the product is. Um, and that's the, the biggest problem that I have with influencers in this country is that you know, one day you are doing a luxury brand and then the next day you're doing a bank. I mean, it does not make sense. Like, where, where, does, where are we going here? And I think that's where, that's on the influencer to just to actually clarify who they are, right? Like, who do they want to align with? And that's very important. And I think you're right. If we have accredited influencers then we know this person is an authority on on x industry that's where their niche is and that's kind of the lane they should stay in right but you bring up a very good point that i also love seeing and i love seeing my favorite influencers being in brand sponsorships and things because it means they're actually making money from their passions which i love and i think a lot of people support that they want their influencers to do well um and it's bragging rights But then we also have that issue of people who pretend to be in brand partnerships so that they can get work. How do we all feel about that? What? Are you serious? (laughs) So many people do it. No. OMG. There's articles written on this. There's a word for it. I can't think of it now. But people literally pretend... They buy it, they pretend it's a paid partnership so that they have, quote-unquote, a little CV going for other brands and go like, this is what I've done for this brand. Pay me. A lot of people buy kind of their activewear and then tag them in the hopes that they're going to get sent stuff or going to get invited to events. I've seen that happen actually quite a lot. Um, Yep. And it is interesting to watch. And I think I think for a lot of people coming up in the industry who don't have a marketing background, a lot of people see, well, the way to get into influencer marketing, I've posted photos of me, like what am I going to do next is how do I work with brands and like maybe tagging brands is going to help. But it's very hard to obviously get catch the eye of big retailers who have marketing teams who are looking for very specific things and demographics and people who have influence across different age groups. Um, so, but I have noticed there are a couple of brands who definitely, is it called blegging? 
no, blinking is a whole different episode. Blinking is a whole different episode. <laughs> we can actually do one on that. But um, but tell it, I don't have an issue with people who buy something and they love it and they just tag a brand. No, of course not. No, no, no. Agree. Like, there's so many. I, most of the content that I post on Instagram and stuff that I've spent my own money on, and like, I go to the same coffee shop every yeah. day and I probably tag them every day they've never given me a free coffee in my life um I just love them I want people <laughs> to go there so that it continues to be the best coffee shop ever but I do think that are certain people who start who really want to get into influence marketing and they see this as the way to do it is to kind of hop on brands that seemingly do do a lot of work with influencers because there actually aren't yeah. a lot of brands in South Africa like if you really narrow it down that are spending within kind of the fashion beauty lifestyle it's really like a couple of handfuls of brands that are actually spending money and sending products um to people so if you are creating good content yeah. it kind of is a good way to just get in there it's just to be tagging them and hope they call you back which is fine yeah. i just i have an issue with them saying hashtag i'm in partnership with this brand and the brand yeah. like um no. i don't know who you are you know yeah. Because that's lying to your audience. So, Tools, let me ask you, if you were made king of influence marketing tomorrow, and they say to you, Tools, what do you think, and I'm using this word very loosely, punishment, because it's horrible, what, what kind of recourse would you put in place that will work for South African influencers and brands specifically that will make them actually want to follow these fools? you would do something like what TikTok does is just take away their account. So, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the way, if you do step one foot out of line on TikTok, if you go against community um, guidelines, they take down your account easily. It's that, it's that simple. Also your videos gone. Yeah. Or your video or your post. And I think it should be almost the same. If I was, you know, the president of influencers, if you will, as you said, I would, I would really make sure that, that the influencer that is endorsing a product should have at, at least as much knowledge as they can with, with that product before, before um, promoting it or posting it. Um, but also, the, it's a, it's yeah. Then, then what happens if a new product comes my way and and wants to work with me? So where do I? I don't know where to draw the line. You kind of want to make the platform like the TikToks take responsibility for this instead of actually being like, no, guys, like you must just play game here. And we are working internationally on trying to get all the platforms on board to the idea of advertising self-regulation, and that would include around influencer marketing. So if we've made a decision against a particular influencer or a particular brand on a particular platform, we would then be able to pass that onto the platform and they would be able to do that sort of thing, either close the account down or at least pull the particular post. Um, so so that is something that internationally is, is being worked on by all the self-regulatory organizations. I also just want to comment that I think what's going to happen organically is that brands are going to start realizing that an influencer can be a help to them but can also be a danger to them 
And especially this thing you're talking about, influencers pretending that they're connected when they're not connected. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to see brands being stricter in their contracts and being, um, being more vigilant about that type of behavior and calling influencers out when they're not really connected to the brand, that sort of thing, because there's a lot of harm that can be done. And a brand, I presume, carefully chooses which influencer it wants to be associated with. And they don't want any any person in the road coming out and claiming that they're associated with the brand because that could do brand damage depending on what else the, the person's associated with. And hopefully we will see an organic um, adaptation of the self-regulatory rules because of that. For sure. So guys, here's a stat for you. There's an article in the drum that actually there was a study done. I'm not sure if it was in America, if it was in the UK, but they found that 76% of Instagram creators actually hide their partnership disclosure from view. So I know that Talia earlier said that when she does do sponsored posts, the algorithm knocks you a little bit because we know Zaki wants you to pay for people to see your brand, all these good things. But what other reasons would there be um, besides just like, I don't want to do it, that influencers are like, you know what I I don't want to put ad or sponsor it. I'm just going to do this like it's organic. So let me answer that. So, you know, I always love to, you know, for me, I, I always love when people think of me as a man about town or they see my content and they are able to say, oh, you spoke about this TV show and I watched it. Or I went to this restaurant because you said you loved it. Or I'm drinking uh, this wine because you said, you know, it's amazing. And I like to be being that authority because a I'm consuming that that product whether it's paid for or it's sponsored and it works with my brand and who I am and it's my lifestyle. So as much as like and I'm not Kim Kardashian where I am every single post is skims skims skims. I like for for me I I I want a balance of my life and and all products that I use and, and love and enjoy are integrated into my, my lifestyle and my feed and my, my, my content, if you will. Okay. 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 I hear you. So you're saying because you align with brands that fit in with your lifestyle and you would probably enjoy it in any case, but they just happen to be given to you or paid for that you shouldn't really have to disclose that it was paid for yeah you see it's it's a playing like i it's from from a consumer point of view i don't i want to know you know if i'm looking at it from a consumer point of view i want to know that tools was given this tools was is put purchased this or or was gifted this i do want to know um however from an influencer point of view I I want it to be organic. I want my I don't want it to be um and all everything's ads or everything is you know paid for. Like it pains me when I get told, oh, you need to put your content like this and, and then then if you if you you can't say this about the TV show, you can't say this about about a character. Um because my audience resonates with how I speak to them. And you know what I mean? Uh, 100%. And I think 
if you're an influencer on my brand, I would have chosen you because I love your style, but I also know that you're going to reach my target audience as authentically as possible and they love you. So I would be like, here's the framework, but do you boo, right? But then as an, but as an influencer, shouldn't you be thinking of your audience and go like, well, if I as a consumer want to know if something's sponsored, shouldn't I give them that courtesy? No, for sure. I, I yes. So so I'm I'm contradicting myself, you know, when when I'm speaking, you know what I mean. But um, yeah. So and absolutely, I should be, and that's why I do it. I know you do it. That's why I'm. I play open cards. You know what I mean. So um, I I play open cards with my audience, and I say this. You know, this was terrible. Um, don't yeah. Ask Paul's Bakery. I said, I told him that they were the Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child of salads. Oh my gosh, you did not. Well, I was being honest. That's hilarious. It's not a Beyonce. It was Michelle Williams. Not a Beyonce. Who's Michelle Williams? Exactly. Exactly. So, Talia, do you have any thoughts on this from your side? I mean, why people don't disclose, I think that sometimes people, I mean, obviously, often people talk about Instagram being the highlight reel. And I think that sometimes people would like their lives to look more aspirational and that, I I mean, everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Kardashians. And I think that often people want it to look like they can afford maybe these lavish holidays or these skincare products or stuff that is maybe not actually within something a budget that they can afford and yet they've been gifted it and I think that's a reason that sometimes people don't disclose and I think that the content because they're trying to sell a lifestyle to you that is not necessarily actually their lifestyle and I think that's a huge problem in South Africa actually um where most consumers are living well beyond um means if you just look at the amount of debt that South Africa is in um, and I think that they also realize that when they don't disclose the content does better and when content does better they probably attract more brands who want to work with them because they've got more likes and more um, comments unfortunately um, those are the kind of reasons I think that sometimes people don't disclose. Mm. I completely agree. Yeah it's a vicious cycle right? Yeah. Yeah, I really do think it's also a status thing. What Talia is saying is, is we have a very huge status complex in this country. Is that, you know, it's your lowbrow if you're not doing any luxury products. There's nothing wrong with uh, main market and, and um, mass, mass products. There's nothing wrong with that because actually majority of the country can only afford um, the mainstream products and not everyone can afford just because something is more expensive and it's made in Italy does not make it better does not make it you know and also because you are associated to this brand says the person that has Louis Vuitton and uh, Hermes everywhere that's what I'd say Mr. Tom (laughs) (laughs) you know so but you know, if, if, coming from that, I do feel like there's a huge um, in a, a status complex. I mean, that's a whole different podcast uh, to get all together, you know. Whole different. So then that brings me also to the next question is like, do we not treat the public as if they don't know what's going on? 
I think public is quite savvy. They can spot a sponsored post, but maybe I think like that because I'm in the industry, so I can spot it a mile off. But tools, do you not think your audience, when when a new package arrived for you with new Tom Ford perfume, do they not <laughs> realize that that was gifted to you? Oh, well, for me, I have a series on my Instagram where I say, another day, another delivery. And this is from da 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 So... And that's that's when pe- so that's my way of saying this was gifted. However, if I'm going to purchase something, I will you know say, oh, I bought this and etc. Um, yeah, so that's from my perspective. That's what I do. But you can definitely see you know when something is uh, paid for. You know, not everybody. Why do you love Kleenex so much? It's tissues. <laughs> Calm down. It's cleaning products, handy andy. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no tea, no shade. <laughs> you know? I mean, but why are we saying, oh, handy andy, I love it so much. Like, come on. I love it. Yeah. It's like we all making reels about ourselves cleaning our homes, you know? Normal. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Full disclosure, I do love a good handy handy product. It cleans like a whiz. Um, that, so I, that, I'm, I'm kind of that, that person. Would you I have post a on friend. Instagram about it is the difference. No. Exactly. Like I would generally, I've got a friend who's also nuts about cleaning products. We literally DM each other when we find new products. So good point. I think I think the difference is that I'm, yeah, for me, there's so many things that I love, but I would never post about it on my Instagram. <laughs> Um, unless the brand, unless the brand came to me, we're like, we'll pay you a stupid amount of money to post about it. And then I was like, okay, let me consider this. Um, no, no, I mean, like there are a lot of, there are a lot of cleaning brands like Kleenex, Comfort, Skip, who are paying for content. And for me, it's, I, it's just not interesting. It's just not something that I would personally want to post about. <laughs> But don't you think it's just because the content is not interesting? They can make it interesting and relatable. I mean, yes. And I think that it's obviously that's like a billion rand industry cleaning products. I mean, Unilever, it's like insane how much cleaning products are sold. But um, does an influencer influence me to change from skip to Omo to whatever? Um, maybe I'm not sure. But like for me, it's just not something that I would feel that I had any influence in telling people what cleaning products to buy. I do feel like it depends on how you do it. So the other day I I did post about an air freshener that I was like, like, but I was blown away. I was like, this is, I was like, went onto my Insta story and said, this is very random, but this blew me away. I went to pick and pay and I got this for a hundred bucks and, and this glad air freshener is amazing. Um, however, now, with Taylor, you said that if you got uh, given a stupid amount of money. So, for instance, for me now, 60% of my following is females. And would I take the check? Let's say it's close to 100 grand or more. If always, always pads came to me and said, let's, let's work together. I mean, come on. Like... <laughs> always pads tools like do i what am i what am i saying here 
Well, I suppose it also then depends on how you position always pads on your feed and what kind of content you do with it. And how are you going to make that relatable to your female audience? It might be tricky. <laughs> I, I know I'm going to. I'm going to be looking out for this content. I'm going to follow you straight after this, tools because I want to see this content. Because I know always are dialing you as we speak. <laughs> I, I know they are. The, the, the brand partnerships are rolling in. Um, but, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, I think if I was to do it, I think I would, I would um, come from a CSI point of view, if, you know, if anything. There we go. You see, you've already got ideas. <laughs> and how I would uh, put it in my feed or, you know, like every woman, you know, girls can't go to school because of it, you know, sometimes their menstruation. But Hashtag ad. Where do we draw the line? So, Gail, that actually, I was wondering, because I read the, the regulations again last night or the rules, whatever we, we want to call them. And I actually noticed something I didn't notice the first time I read this, and it's called the Social Media Code of Practice. It's its formal name. And it literally say the identifiers that you should use is hashtag ad or hashtag advertisement mm. or hashtag sponsored. Those are the only mm. three identifiers mm. there. Mm. So then how does the ARB feel about if someone goes hashtag gifted or hashtag partnership or hashtag, you know, everyone's making up their own little hashtags. That's still true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm part of this. So I we haven't know. tested. We haven't tested this yet because we haven't got a complaint like that yet. Um, you know, my personal feeling is it's all about what you're communicating to the consumer. Okay. You've got to look. You've got to look at the harm that you're trying to prevent, and the harm that you're trying to prevent is misleading consumers. So, I my personal view is that we would look at at are you communicating the same thing to consumers, and if so, is that okay? Um, but I, I do think it's something that we have to revisit in that code is the wording around around which hashtags you can use. And like I said, it's something we haven't tested. I also have said I'm not mad about gifted. I'm also not mad about sponsored. I think I think sponsored it can be very confusing. Agreed. And internationally, they don't like sponsored because there's there's sponsored in the sense of a sports sponsorship, and then there's sponsored in the sense of if someone sends you a pack of always pads, is that really being sponsored? I don't think so. And then why are you using the hashtag sponsored? So I, I'm uncomfortable with sponsored. I'm uncomfortable with gifted. I'm comfortable with with the influencer explaining in their content exactly what happened and then, if appropriate, hashtag ad. That was my next question. Like if I am tagging a, a brand partner, so at the top it says and paid partnership with, sponsored by, do I then still need to use the hashtags? Or is that clear enough? Or if my post is just like, guys, you know, Pan McMillan just sent me Gail Schimmel's new book. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> Hashtag out. Yeah, that, that is exactly exactly the question and we haven't tested it enough and and i mean you use a very good example the book the book posts um you don't see hashtag ad there people will say i was sent the book and now i'm giving an honest review and is that misleading they've they've disclosed that they were sent the book for free and they always do disclose when they were sent the book for free so it's it's an interesting 
dilemma there. And I think it really goes in law. There's a word for it. It's the teleological approach. And it's about what is the harm that you were trying to prevent? And has that harm been prevented? And I think what you're saying, Gail, is like more on mis- the whole thing is about is your content misleading? And that's what I'm getting, getting from this, you know, that that if yeah, where are you? Is your content misleading? I mean, I can't see. So if you said in a tweet, for example, I was paid 100,000 rand to make this tweet. And as a result, I'm saying that I really like Handy Andy. Um, and you don't say hashtag ad. You can't really say that was misleading. You've told them exactly what happened. You've told them that you were paid to say it. You've even told them how much you were paid. I don't think we would then pull you up for not saying hashtag ad. But obviously, the safest way to go. Handy Andy would not be happy. Handy Andy wouldn't love you at all. (laughs) (laughs) But if you say... Um, But, you know, I think that that's what it comes down to. And with all advertising regulation in this space and in other spaces, I always say, you know in your gut when you're doing something wrong, when you're misleading people. And if your gut is giving you that message, chances are there is a rule somewhere around it because you're not the first person to have a gut feel about it. Follow your gut and chances are you won't get into trouble. So part of the code as well, and Claus, you said this a bit earlier, you touched on it. Part of the code actually states that in addition to adding all these hashtags and disclosing and being completely transparent, If a brand approaches you to work with them and they're paying you, they have to have a contract with you that stipulates everything that needs to happen and what you're getting for it. So, Charles, I want to know from your experience, and even Talia, when you get approached, do you always get a contract that you sign? In the past, um, not really. Um, But now I insist on a a contract. Um, If I don't receive a contract, I send an SLA of of sorts to um to to my my clients just just to say that this is what I'm about. This you can't re- say I can't do this. I can't do that. It, I need to be more and it's to protect my authenticity for my audience and who I am as a brand. Um, and that's generally the smaller brands that don't. Um, give me contracts, but um, yeah, when there's big paid for um, partnerships that I do, I do generally get uh, contracts, and they're pretty standard. Um, and yeah, I don't push back that much. Oh, that's good news. And you tell her, do you always get presented with a contract? I think what it is, um, as Tools was saying, if it's a big brand, it's almost always yes. If it's a smaller brand where there is quite a strict brief about the dates they want posted, there is a one to two pager, which I would call a contract, yes. Um Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the day, it was a lot. It less. is a contract. Yeah, no, it is a contract. But it is a lot. It used to be a lot less loose in terms of pushback. There have yeah. often been times where I've been sent a contract where there's so much that I disagree with, and I cross out, and I'm not willing to sign like having exclusivity for a certain amount of time. I once got sent a contract that literally said that if I gained weight, what? within like five months of it yeah and this is for like a health food you are joking that they could like literally (laughs) terminate the contract and i was like no i'm not i'm not joking it was like the most offensive thing i've ever been sent in my life and it was like it was like a health food 
it wasn't even health food. I'll even say what it was. It was literally, it was enough. DM me. D DM me. Yeah, it was, please, DM us all. It was a plant-based milk. I won't say what the brand was, but it was a plant-based milk. Um, because um, I'm vegan, so I don't drink dairy. Um, so that would have been seen as kind of they wanted it sold as from like a healthy alternative, where I do it because obviously I just don't consume dairy. And that was something in a contract that I was just I was so appalled that I that they had included it. Um, that I was like, I I don't want anything to do with this brand whatsoever because and then I saw so many other people who then went ahead and were using the hashtags and were actually creating content for this brand. And I actually messaged a few of them and I was like, Did you happily sign that contract? Like, did you leave that in? Because I'm so offended by it. And they were like, Yeah, whatever. Um so I guess we all have different standards. And the question is, did I read it? <laughs> and it was a very long contract. It was probably one of the longest ones I've ever got sent. Um, clearly not a South African contract. Um, and I, yeah, it was. Yeah, Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner is definitely signing that contract. Yeah, <laughs> it was very hectic. So it really did, like the contracts have really. Um, been very different across um different brands and industries and smaller brands it is generally a lot more casual but i find like if i want to work with yeah. a brand for a longer term then i want something a bit more solid so then my last question i'm gonna throw a grenade into the last bit of this podcast is that when we watch movies or we watch certain series there's inevitably product placement right but we don't see at the bottom them disclosing this was this is in partnership with Coca-Cola or whatever it may be. Shouldn't then the same like rules apply to influencers? Because it's product placement in the end of the day, right? You've bought place on my feed to place product and discuss. Say that often in a movie they're not actually referring to the product. So if you used to watch Gossip Girl, they used to have vitamin water all the time in Gossip Girl. That was like one of the biggest brand kind of partnerships and it would often be there, but they were never ne necessarily referring to the product. They were never talking about the product. They were just drinking it. And it's the same as if you watch certain sports matches that are sponsored by an alcohol brand or a food brand and the branding is there, but it's not necessarily referenced. Whereas I think that often if you saw an influencer post for vitamin water, the influencer post would be talking about vitamin water and really selling it to you as an ad so i think it is a little bit different to product placement it's off, not often just you and you are tagging the brand and you're talking about the brand and you're leading the to the brand's content page so when you're watching something yes you are absorbing it and there are also a lot of um tv shows that you'll see where people are clearly using apple macbooks but they've actually covered the apple sign because apple refuses to pay for product placement often um so i think it is i do think product placement is a little bit different to influencer marketing who's like straightforward advertising in most cases fair point fair point product placement is a very controversial issue when it comes to advertising regulation but one of the reasons it is treated as differently is exactly that that they're not often claims made about the product in the product placement it's just there doing whatever it is it does but it's very seldom that an actual claim is written into the script of wherever it's placed um it's it, it is very controversial and it's something that comes up again and again and i think that tell is exactly right that they're, they're, they're two 
there too. You can have an influencer who's doing an, an ad, but an influencer can also do product placement when they do, for example, a selfie and the products in the background. Yeah. Um, so so that, that would be product placement. If they have been paid to put the product in the background, it is our view that they should be doing hashtag ad. So, Gail, my question is Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City. She's obsessed with Manolo Blahniks. She makes mention of it a lot. She, she puts them in her oven, her... Her, uh, when she when she's walking down Sixth Avenue, oh no, that was her Jimmy Choo's that got stolen. But um, there's a reference to Manolo Blahnik throughout the show and the series and the movie, and it it ultimately made Manolo Blahnik a huge company. How now was that? There was no regulation. Well, the advertising. I mean, they did pay, of course. Manolo Blahnik paid. Um, paid um, and is that okay for the consumer that okay this is an ad in the series and and the movie that is exactly the controversy and that is exactly the problem and the other problem is then who is the decision maker so in South Africa the question would be is it us or is it the BCCSA which deals with the content of programs Um, and we you know but, but, the, but the reality is we don't get complaints about it in South Africa, so we haven't actually resolved the issue. You know, we have a very close working relationship with the BCCSA, and if it came up, we would look at both our mandates and we would see whose mandate it falls more squarely under and one of us would make a decision. But it, it is my, certainly my perception that consumers in South Africa are blind to product placement. I don't know if they know that it's happening. And and even amongst quite educated consumers, I often, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but occasionally when I am, I get irritated by the product placement and I'll make a comment to my husband and he'll go, what are you talking about? Like it, it, he, he won't have noticed the product, let alone that it was clearly product placement. So we're not getting complaints, so this issue isn't being resolved in South Africa. I can't talk for other countries, so I don't know what happened with things like Sex in the City and the James Bond movies. It irritates me in every James Bond movie. There's so much product placement. I know, yeah. Aston Martin, Heineken, uh, every vodka that you can think of, it's all there. And and and, and you're being advertised to like it's a Kardashian uh, uh, television show. Um, my thinking on this is that, well, personally, I do product placement in in majority of my posts, but it's only because I it's it's stuff that I use and it's what I consume and it's my life and and it's not necessarily an ad where I'm I'm pushing pushing it. That's the difference. That's the difference. If you if it's there because you genuinely always have a Coca Cola on your desk, then that's fine. But if it's there because Coca Cola have said to you. In at least 20 of your posts this month, please have a Coca-Cola on your desk. Then you've got a hashtag ad. So there's an ethical question here, and and whether you are whether you are being honest with your with your um, followers. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like I've been drinking Ashbourne for like years, and people have said I switched my wines to Ashbourne because of you. And I said, well, because I love the wine, and yes, I'm sponsored by, and they deliver wine to me. But I would ordinarily still buy it if I wasn't sponsored. So it definitely is comes down to the ethics of the influencer 
And what you said earlier about being misleading. I think if you're misleading and saying that I'm using always pads and I'm a male, like that doesn't make sense, Tools. Like, but if it's in my lifestyle, I think, you know, I would, and if I'm generally being paid for it, then I will definitely say to my audience, this is a paid for partnership. And you know, there are also creative ways to nonetheless get the get the message across that you really do support the brand. So you can say, I'm so thrilled that I've entered into this paid for partnership with X brand because I love X brand and I'd be using them anyway. And why well, aren't I the winner that I'm getting paid to use what I'd use anyway? And then you're communicating two things. You're letting your consumer, your, your, your consumer, your follower know that you've been paid, but you're also letting them know that there's genuine support there. 100%. And I think that's an amazing way to actually end this podcast. The main message is let's just all be super clear about when we're getting paid, when we're getting gifted things. And I think it's very important for brands to also insist on influencers doing that at the end of the day. Everyone, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your expertise and your input in today's episode. And I hope that we get our our listeners talking and they actually start debating this themselves and let us know what they think. Absolutely. So for closing, I'm going to ask each of you, please, to let everyone know where they can find you online if they want to, to see more about what you do and who you are so people can follow you. Gail, where can people find you? Okay, so I'm not an influencer, so I'm going to tell them where to find the ARB. You can find us on the website, www.arb.org.za. You can follow us on Twitter at ARB underscore South Africa. And we are on Facebook, but we're not so good at that, so I wouldn't bother. Um, and, And what's important, there's an online form on the website that you can use to lodge a complaint. Amazing. And you tools, where can people find you? So people always stop in the street and they say to me, hey, aren't you? And I say, yes, it's me tools. You can find me everywhere, but at yes, it's me tools, T-O-O-L-Z.com. And all my social media handles are there. Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, uh, YouTube, which I'm loving at the moment. And yes, let's connect. If you love all things pop culture, luxury brands, and just a good old time, Come follow me. Enjoy the party. Fantastic. And you, Talia? I am just plain simple Talia Goldberg on Instagram and on Twitter. And then I also have another Instagram called Vegan Friendly Cape Town if you're interested in that kind of thing. So thank you so much, guys. And I'm hoping we speak again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.